a matchup. And what a tee, Mike. MetroPCS and the iPhone SE for $0 on a network that covers 99% of people in the U.S. Oh, impressive. Play with the best. Switch to MetroPCS and an unlimited LTE plan and get a 32-gig iPhone SE for $0. MetroPCS. Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax. Claim based on talk and text. Not valid for active numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on MetroPCS in the past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. And tonight, our favorite show is Jessica Jones, Season 2. And I am not alone tonight. Of course, let me tell you who I am. I am your mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And uh, like I said, I am not alone on the couch. Hair hanging out with me on the couch, watching the TV that isn't plugged in, trying to check out our favorite show. My good friend and uh, the host of Damn You Hollywood, the man screaming no, 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 no at the critics, he is Robert Winfrey. How do you do, sir? I really, really hate you for making me review this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're off to a roaring start. (laughs) Since you're the one that told me before we went on tonight that you don't want to be here all night in 50 words or less why do you hate me for making you review this well it's less this and more everything hang on hang on one second yes jonas how can i help you Inside my butt was itching. Your butt's itching? <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> you know you're telling the world right now that's listening to this podcast <laughs> that your butt's itchy? Do you know that? Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Man, yeah. I wish... Why don't you tell your mom that your butt itches? Maybe you should do this somewhere no, n- not near my the, microphone. No, I told her at the playground. Oh, you told mommy at the playground that your butt itches and several hours she- later it still itches? That's good parenting. Man, you need to introduce me so I can get in here and say something, at least. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, here's a parent that's mortified by these entire proceedings, Mr. Jesse Starcher. I didn't take a bath. Daddy! Daddy, my butt itches! Daddy! Daddy! I've forgotten how to podcast, Daddy! Daddy, change my underwear! I've only Daddy. got one pair! That's probably I'm, one of the most classic kid moments on this podcast I've ever heard. I'm going to die childless and alone, and I'm going to be happy. <laughs> There's reason mel- number 345. Why is he melting into your thigh? I don't know. I want to be like what Willie does. Okay, take your jeans off. 
So I need to pause my podcast until this clears out. <laughs> Clear the studio. For God's sakes, keep your pants on. I'm never going to be able to top itchy butt, Jonas. <laughs> Ever. No, no, sure kids have one unifying complaint, the internet. The, the damn internet yes. won't work. The Wi-Fi, Dad, what happened to the internet? <laughs> daddy, Daddy, I cannot sleep without the Wi-Fi. What happened to my Hulu? Daddy. Daddy. All right, Um, that is Jesse Starcher, ladies and gentlemen. How you doing, sir? Oh, my goodness. You know, what I find funny is, is that you are not going to be able to curse, all right? And... No, tonight. Well, no, 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 no. Hang on. I can fucking curse all I want tonight. Oh, you can curse all you want here. Yeah. But the, the the point is, is that on damn you Hollywood, you're you're not going to be able to curse. And the title of the show has a curse word <laughs> in it. <laughs> I hope, I hope, and pray that the first show you drop on there, they'll be like, wait a second, we did not agree to this. So we <laughs> I'm just. Not, I'm, I'm taking a moral stance. I'm not changing the title of my show. <laughs> I, I, I'll blame you. No, the show will forever be Damn You Hollywood. It'll just be Damn You Hollywood with me not cursing every other word. However, this is fucking TV party tonight, so I'm going to curse all I want because I'm not posting this in the Movie Pass group. How do you like them apples? All right. Um, people say we don't ever get to the point fast enough, so let's get to the point. Uh, Jessica Jones dropped on March 8th a fresh new 13 episodes. Fresh off the Defenders, fresh off of season one and the death of Kilgrave, we rejoin Jessica Jones. Uh, And this season, the the theme around it was mothers and daughters. This was the great search for Jessica Jones's origin. How did she become super powered? Uh, What happened? What really happened to her family? This is the, the central mystery that pushes it forward. Uh, there were a lot of comments, complaints, reviews that focused on the fact that there wasn't really a strong villain this season that propelled it forward. Instead, what you had was a mystery that was propelling it, and then the relationship between the uh, the discovered mother, who wasn't really dead, and Jessica Jones. And some lesser plot lines, which we'll get into, is the slow burn towards Patsy evolving into Hellcat. Um, and then the the side, 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 side plot of Jerry Hogarth and her... Seriously. It's the misanthropic lesbian adventures of Carrie Ann Moss. That's Terrific. all it is. Terrific. Um, her medical subplot, which somewhat intertwines with what's going on, and then other times it doesn't. No. All right. So let me, let me start for... Let's let's just call a spade a spade and start right off with where we all stand here. Um, Jesse, you were you had said offline, and so let's get right to it. You were not a huge fan of this season. Um, I'm going to ask you straight up: Did this not did this not tickle your particular bag? Was this not your particular brand of vodka, or did you feel craft wise? that this just was not as well done as the first season of Jessica Jones? I'll go with both. Uh, The one thing I had the hardest time trying to understand is the appeal of this season, okay? Um, I... I try not to be the negative Nancy. That's that's my deal. I, I, I do my best to be as positive as I can, especially when it comes to a 
a comic book uh, that's brought to the small screen. And we've all loved what we've seen that, that Netflix has done with these Marvel properties. But I yeah. just – well, okay, there's that. <laughs> ups, ups and downs, ups and downs. I, I'm there because now I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of this. This is the worst season, in my opinion, of the Netflix series that's come out, of all of them. Why do you it's hate, bottom of the barrel. Why do you hate women? I'd agree with that. <laughs> Now, because that's the counter argument to saying it sucks. <laughs> I I will tell you that I asked my wife. I said, "What did you think of this season?" Because I I absolutely hated it. At the end of the last episode, I got up from my couch and I said, "Here, Caleb, here's the controller. Go play your video games. I'm glad this is over." <laughs> because I, <laughs> I I was so waiting to see. At the end of the season, I got up, I stretched, I looked around, I pulled out a gun and shot my television. <laughs> Nothing that extreme, but I remember asking my wife. I said, "Why did what did this? Did you like this season? Because I was worried that it maybe it's something that personally I I have to get through to try to understand why I didn't like it." And she said it was okay, so it wasn't like she had the abject uh, distaste that I did for it. So there you go. Is it my not? Is it my personal bag? That's obviously a no because my wife enjoyed it. I did not. Now. As for when it comes to craft, uh, I really honestly think that this show was predictable as all get out. And my goodness, you said lacking a villain. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of hard to pick uh, a bad villain when you hate the hero almost <laughs> as much as you hate the actual villain that they're supposed that's supposed to be there. And then just to make things more confusing, they they try to play the sympathy card for the actual villain, and you kind of get a little bit of that. That's done. That's done well in some shows. It wasn't done well here because I could have gave a shit less about who was, and I knew what was going to happen at the end. Although I didn't know specifically who was going to be pulling the trigger at the end, I just didn't. I knew exactly three episodes before everything happened where we were going to end up. That's not the sign of a good told tale. I so, want eh. I, I, I'd, I'd minorly contest the end there because I pretty much called Luke Cage beat for beat two episodes in. And it's still an exceptionally well-made <laughs> okay. television season. I want to come back okay. to you because I, I want to I delve a little bit more into your, your personal taste and why it didn't tickle your bag specifically. But let me go over to Winfrey real quick just to make you know, everyone get their fair share. We can move this along. What? What's your problem, dude? No, um, <laughs> a lot of things. Why don't Why don't you like <laughs> ministry? You start? <laughs> if, be good, Jesse. People leave comments now. Be nice. Um, All right. <laughs> to be fair, I don't care much for ministry either. So, okay. terrific. <laughs> you, you can find him on Winfrey uh, on at Winfrey MMA, folks, on Twitter. Um, you can't. They'll find you. <laughs> We're passionate. So, okay, Can, give same question to you. Did you feel slightly, slightly varied? Did you feel like the problem with this season was more of it didn't tickle your, it didn't tickle your bag, or did you feel like there were just craft issues? It didn't matter whether or not it, it wasn't your your particular brand of vodka. Sorry, your particular brand of iced tea. I don't drink that either. We're Fuck not big off. on tea in the 
We're not big on tea in the LDS culture. What do you what want do to you, say? What do you drink? What do you what do you, what, 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 what do you Mormons like to drink? Your alien culture. You know, I'm going to let you figure that out. It's more amusing to watch you flail than it is to actually provide you with answers. The entire podcast, I'm going to keep asking you what, what particular brand of X you like. I'm just, just, just know that now. Just keep making that's assumptions fair. on what he does drink. I think that's more fun. Uh, that might also lead to some hilarity. To answer the question, I'm going to kind of agree with Jesse and say there's both. I mean, let me be – how do I say this? It's one thing uh, – with season one, just so everyone kind of can get a feel for where I might be headed with this. When you and I reviewed season one, Mark, and you, for anyone curious as to what we thought about that, we were both very complimentary, and you can find the you can find the review in the archives. I think it's over on Blog Talk. I don't know if that one, if that show made the transition with us, but the first season of Jessica Jones didn't speak to me personally. That didn't stop it from being well made. That didn't stop the acting from being good, from the you know the arcs from being compelling, et cetera, et cetera. This one, not only does it not appeal to me personally, it it, it develops all kinds of narrative issues, and some of this goes towards like, yeah, and this is weird because I've talked in the past about how much authorial intent matters it's not a whole lot but there's a real weird tone that kind of has pervaded this particular season it's one thing for it not to appeal to me it's another thing for me to feel like ex- like voluntarily like not voluntary but like involuntarily excluded from any attempts at this you know like okay because you are you nothing about this is going to appeal to you which is fair, doesn't have to appeal to me, not everything does. And it's also going to have all these issues. Well, then we have, then I'm going to say you have all these issues. Oh, and by the way, you're also like, this feels like it was written by everyone involved from the first season who happened to like hear all of the praise and then form just a mutual admiration society. It's a bunch of pandering and glad handing. That's, there's such little artistic merit. There's such little from, like narrative cohesion. And from our pan- pandering glad-handing, check out our review of A Wrinkle in Time. <laughs> yeah, which was also chock-full of that. Let me tell you where I stand, okay? Now now that we, we've established where you guys stand, let me tell you where I stand on this, and then we can proceed daintily. Um, I enjoyed this season. Alright, everyone act shocked. Now, Here's the thing. I early on divorced any notions that I was watching a superhero show from my mind uh, while watching this. To me, this wasn't about a comic book character. This wasn't a superhero show in the way that like Iron Fist was. Iron Fist, for you know, for all that's good about it or all that's negative about it, was definitely about a comic book character. Uh, and his adventures therein. Sa- same thing with Daredevil, to be honest with you. Those, those are very, very comic booky, and I think that's where the, there's a lot of appeal. Um, if you look at, like, the Punisher show that we talked about for what seemed like 12 hours... To be he, fair, we could have talked about it for 12 hours, and I would have been perfectly <laughs> happy. 
<laughs> yes, the Punisher is a comic book character, but it, the show felt. I said it at the time. The, sh- the show felt it. It was there was more going on than this than this comic book character. This show po- spoke to uh, mental illness. It spoke to um, societal issues. Plus, there was a mystery going on. Plus, there was this, that, and the other thing. So that's where I feel like Jessica Jones finds its strength is that the writers don't concern themselves with trying to appeal to comic book fans or to what they think comic book fans might like. Instead, they they have this character and she So they pander to women? Well, you call it pandering. I call, I call it, it pandering. I didn't call it pandering in the first season. I call this pandering. I would tell you that they are writing to a point of view. They are writing about a broken character and how she would interact with the world around her given a certain set of circumstances. So last season was, you know, was very much about rape culture and, you know, and PTSD oh, and all of that. Don't say rape culture. <laughs> <laughs> We don't have one in the United States. The, st- the statistics around that are so completely and like, comically overblown. Okay, but that, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist, though, and that you can't write a story about it, which is what I feel like a lot of sure, people do. Sure, how about you said it in you know the Sudan, where that's a serious problem. Okay, if I could get through this. No, I'm going to keep interrupting you on these points. Okay, fine. <laughs> this is what you signed up for. <laughs> I don't have a mute button. Um... You do not. <laughs> but to get, to get to the end of this, I felt like they started with an idea on a blackboard. Let's write a season that focuses on the relationship between a mother and a daughter. Now, the mother is broken and crazy and back from the dead, and the daughter is broken and crazy and has nearly died. How would they interact? What would that story be about? What would that say to the greater relationship the, the the greater motif of mothers and daughters. And while I get that I that probably doesn't appeal to you guys, weirdly it appealed to me. Not necessarily because of mother and daughter specifically, but because of relationships. I liked that more so than anything this wasn't about a superpowered being fighting a a supervillain. This was about how do these broken people find a way back to each other and how does that affect the people around them? Which may not be compelling to, to some, but, it, but, I felt, but I wanted to see where it was going and what they would do with it. Um, I was saying to Robert before we started tonight, first of all, Jesse, does that make sense to you? Do you see where I'm at now? Yeah, I do. You're rem- I think the one thing that stuck out to me most is how you said removing yourself from the understanding that this is not a, a Marvel divorcing yourself from a believing it's a Marvel superhero show uh, so that might actually be the reason why I don't like it uh, because you need to do too much of that in order to try and kind of I guess get more into this show but then again why put the Marvel banner on it? But go well, ahead. Because uh, it's a Marvel property. Well, yeah, but you could tell well, <laughs> that I could say this, and you could you could put this for for any show, though. But regardless, you throw the Marvel banner 
in front of your show so you get Marvel fans to watch it. Now, don't you know, don't get upset because I'm saying we're an exclusive club or anything like that. I'm just saying tell a story that makes a comic book uh, reader more interested in what's going on. Uh, why, and, but why pigeonhole? Let's have that debate for just a minute. Just a minute. Sure. Why does a comic book show have to appeal to comic book fans? Why can't it appeal to an entirely different group of people? It doesn't have to. Okay. And there's probably where my my personal issue comes in where I say okay give me something that makes this feel like a Marvel property instead what they did is they said we're not going to really give you much to make this feel like a Marvel I thought I thought Luke Cage was going to be in this season disappointed <laughs> uh, what we got we got the wizard you want to know something I was excited when I saw the wizard because guess what? I'm a Marvel fanboy. And he lasts an episode or two. I can't even remember. Wait, wait. <laughs> that, that's actually based on a character? That wasn't yes. just something they cooked up in the... Wow. Yes, sir. <laughs> the Wizard is an actual character. Now, I was not aware of that. That is stuff that excites me about watching shows that tie into the Marvel Universe. But, you know, when I got to sit here and see, you know, nine hours of Jerry Hogarth trying to figure out, you know, oh, well, should I... It just was not appealing to me in any way. Does it have to be? There's, you, you know the answer to that, Mark. It doesn't have to be. So this could very well be Netflix and Marvel saying, hey, guys, we have something else for you out here just under the Marvel umbrella. That's not a bad thing. It's just, you know, my bag is untickled. Okay. So... Let's focus on um, – let's talk about some individ individual characters and performances here, okay? We're not going to do an episode-by-episode episode breakdown. You know, the guys and I talked about it before the show. We just decided that we'd be here for hours just to, to trying to unpack it all, number one. Number two, a lot of the episodes did blend together, so we thought a better approach would be just to discuss performances, themes, etc. Let's start with Kristen Ritter, Jessica Jones herself. Robert, what did you – now, I mean, we didn't have a problem with Christian Ritter in the first season. Um, what did you think of Christian Ritter's continued performance this season? Um, did you think they did anything interesting with her character? What are some of your thoughts here vis-a-vis -vis performance? Nah, I got no problems with her. And I know that puts me... like, eh, Sorry, that, that references things that are utterly immaterial. I did not have a problem with her performance in this season. Uh, I think there's issues of writing. I think the material she's given to work with is weaker. And I think that lends itself to the overall feel of the show, but you I mean, do not believe she... Well, let's, let's, let's press on that a little bit. Um, because I think that goes into performance um, in a way. So what specifically can you point to and say there that that's 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 weaker material that detracts from the performance uh anything where she interacts with her adopted mother okay is just and there's a lot i don't know if there's more of that or if there's more of that character in this season but either way it's like all they wanted to do was create a villainous stage mom which is fine that they're mostly horrible people and they crafted a character that was horrible 
you've also established in this world that it, Jessica has a very low tolerance for horrible people if she can't find something good about them yet she is continually interacting with this woman who is narcissistic to the extreme now you're talking about her adoptive mother not the yes. monster not, not her biological monster mom and I have serious issues with the lack of consistency surrounding her interactions with her monstrous mother and I understand that some of this is some of that's to be expected like you are not the same person when you interact with your parents especially given some of the things that go on around her like there's going to be change. There's going to be change in perspective. I'm fine with that. The fact that it, and in this instance, I blame entirely the writing. And maybe the show running, too, the, like the directing too, because you don't actually get a lot of the transitory period from Jessica Jones about a lot of this stuff. It's, no, I can't possibly forgive you because I'm now acting like an adolescent teenager and we say crap like this all the time. To, yeah, but no, I need a better idea because now I'm, you know, now there's the issue of, well, no, you're kind of my mom and I don't want you to be locked on the raft, especially since Cap already staged his breakout. Now there's no hope of getting out. <laughs> <laughs> Again, there's just a lot of inconsistencies around that. And some of that is, some of that tweaks me personally because I don't mind, you know, because there's certain, like, ideals and perspectives that she claims to hold to and then doesn't when they no longer suit her and that level of hypocrisy bothers me it doesn't bother me as much if it's character growth and I think the real problem with a lot of this was you didn't actually get to see as much of the of her character's growth in large part because they shoehorn shoehorned is the wrong word they condensed all of the time that she should have been able to express that and grow and let the show breathe around it into the last four episodes which is a much bigger problem than starting some than ending someplace differently than you start Jesse one of the things you had said offline which I want to draw attention to and it, it it goes to what Robert is saying is you had a difficult time with not necessarily Kristen Ritter but the Jessica Jones character as she is written because she is not somebody that you want to root for. You want to expound upon that? Yeah. Let me say that performance-wise, I would say Kristen Ritter did a fantabulous job when she was probably directed to turn the bitch up to 11 because that's what she had to do. You know, she had to... She is a she's a person that doesn't trust anybody Jessica Jones is uh, as we've said broken um, and snarky and just so I w would probably distance myself from this person as far as I could if, if this was somebody I ran into in real life God forbid if it was somebody I had to work with okay poor Malcolm my goodness this guy <laughs> I, I gets fired like 20 times before we make reach half of the season. But, you know, I, I could not root for her because of the way she was treating other people. And the thing is, is that 
that's another thing that I struggled with where I was like, okay, not everybody's happy go lucky. You know, this isn't, you know, this isn't a DC television show. This isn't the flash. We're, we're a little, <laughs> we're a little far from the flash where you can laugh at all. Uh, Winfrey said fun was, uh, fun is subjective. And I believe that I understand that, but I had me personally, zero fun watching this show. And, Kristen Ritter, uh, you know, performance-wise, great, but as as the character Jessica Jones has written, yeah, okay, maybe I did want to see her reconcile with her mom a little bit, but I knew, again, I knew where that was going. There was The law was on their tail. Somebody was going to get killed. Her mom was going to make some decision, and we wouldn't see this character around again. Um, so... It's it's tough to have a hero. This is the hero. This is the namesake that's on the title of this show. And you you want her to do good things. And there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of like, you know, snarky stuff that she does that just makes me go, gosh, I'm I I'm sick of watching this. It might have been okay after the first two episodes, but I think the bulk of this series is exploring why she is like that. Uh, and, you know, flashback here, flashback there. Uh, so I understand what they're trying to do with that. Um, it's just, again, it's not something that I can, I can sit here and go, okay, yeah, I'm ready for another 10 episodes of this. Hooray. So glad. I, I feel like the way the character was written in this episode, in this series, this season, really takes you on a journey. Now, don't be so quick to jump all over me, guys. Just, just let me get through this. But I felt like we started with somebody who is just coming out of the Defenders and the death of Kilgrave and Civil War, which was referenced a bunch of times. So you have people... Refer- really? When was that referenced? It, it, there's, There were different like drops, references to the raft... Uh, what I was about to say is they keep referring to her as a you know vigilante superhero that's you know, that sort of thing. So yeah, so why isn't she like in all seriousness? Well, if this is post Civil War, and why hasn't she been either? Why isn't she an agent of Shield just or or vigilante now and just now entering the cultural lexicon because uh, I can never remember that actor's name. Robert Downey William. Jr. William Defoe. William or John Hurt? I can't remember which one. Give us a movie. Where, 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 where are we are going you here? About General Ross, that actor. Yes, I can't uh, remember if it's John Hurt or William Hurt. Let's go with William Hurt, because one of them is older and British. And John John Hurt was from Doctor Who. Uh, no fans here, right? Uh, but uh, <laughs> William. The, it's William. Okay. It's William. It's, it's William yeah. Hurt. Okay. Uh, but yeah, like so because he comes along and says, "Well, there are some who prefer the word vigilante." Now, apparently, the Greater New York area actually added it to their word of the day calendar. I don't know. <laughs> like, why? Why hasn't that? Like, again, like they made this big deal about. Well, you should all register, okay? So here's this known superpowered person. I mean, that would have. I can't express right. what a more hang, hang interesting on. subplot. You're, you're way off been. on this. Stop. You're you're way off on this. Number one, right. what Civil War was about was saying the Avengers belong 
to the United Nations. And if you were going to be an Avenger, you had to go along with this, you can only go into battle when the UN says it's okay. That's what they were fighting against. You're thinking of the comic book where it was like, everyone must register as an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and half of the people said, Dub, fuck off. Um, and you must the- surrender your secret identities to yeah. us. And that's not... She's not an Avenger. She's never said she was. Everything she got caught up in the, in the Defenders was just sort of reacting to, to a situation that was unfolding in front of her. But she's not out... She's not actively out there fighting crime. She's not Spider-Man. There, so there's no reason that um, on that level where, where she would be, have to be involved with S.H.I.E.L.D. or the United Nations or the Avengers, there's no reason why any of that would further, touch her. Uh, further proof that elements of how they did Civil War were short-sighted and stupid, but I digress. I don't want to have that debate. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, what I was trying to get across was, so you have this person who... You know, this damaged person who is now struggling with being in the limelight, which she's actively fighting against. Um, you know, there was how that affects her and her and living environment, how that affects her and her job, how that just just affects her day to day life. I enjoyed that. That was the first part of the season. Then you ha- then you have Patsy pushing on her. Don't you want to know where you come from? Don't you want to know why you're superpowered and you've been blessed with these powers? And you know, there's the internal struggle of does she really want to open up that that Pandora's box? Does she want to know how she got to be who she is, or does she just want to move forward and live her life, pre- preferably apparently as alcohol soaked as possible? Um, I liked that. You know, they didn't do that. That could have gone too long. I feel like it was just right. It was just at that point where I was starting to say, all right, either do this or don't, but do something. Um, and they, they got right to that point and then they proceeded. Then she she's hot on the trail of her mom. She finally uh, realizes that, that her mom is, in fact, alive and she's this super powered monster woman. Now you have the real meat of the season. You have Jessica wrestling with what does she do with this relationship? Does she accept this woman? Does she reject her? What does she do with the fact that the woman has killed several people? Because she has an internal you know, moral compass as to what's right and what's wrong. Clearly murder is wrong. And she, you know, and so she has to wrestle with, does she turn the mother in or does she let her get away with it? What does she do with this woman who she's who she's missed for her entire life. She hasn't had this mother mother figure, mother actual, that she's craved. And I really like that about this season. I like the fact that she wrestled with all of those things. You know, because I feel like if you put any one of us in those positions, there's, you know, we would all struggle with having a clear, defined road ahead of us with how to deal with something. And I like the fact that she outright says right you know right to the camera i don't know what the next move is i have no idea what to do you know we watch so many of these shows where you know the characters uh just for the sake of drama struggle a little bit with what to do next and then suddenly everyone's got an idea and a plan falls neatly into place and voila lobster this is one of those rare times where i see somebody really just stumbling with what the next move should be and doesn't always make the right the right step doesn't always take the right step so I loved all of that. That was attractive to me as a television viewer to see this person wrestling with all of these choices that that suddenly got dropped in her lap that she never wanted in the first place. Um, and then you have 
her relationship with Patsy, who, you know, Patsy starts, and we, we need to talk about this as well, but Patsy starts to drift into this inevitable turn towards Hellcat, and if you don't know what the comic books, if you're not aware of that character in the comic books and don't know that she exists, what you're watching is this person who is saying, you know, who's playing the role of, hey, you're blessed with, with an ability that most people would love to have. You have an opportunity to do good things in the world, and you're squandering it. It's better. I should be that person. I should be you. Here you have <laughs> this great relationship between somebody who's had everything taken away from her, and yet she, and yet she goes on, versus somebody who has had everything handed to her and says, no, I want what you have too. What I have isn't even enough. I want what you've got because you don't deserve it. And how, th- and how th- those aspects of their personalities um, wrestle with one another. I really enjoyed that aspect of the season as well. Um, you know, and, and finally, after her mother's gone and killed all these people and she's, and she's rightly comes, you know, comes to the conclusion, killing is wrong. (laughs) You should not kill people. Um, she then has to confront her own demon of having killed Kilgrave, and while she can justify it in her own mind that he was a potential danger to everyone around her, strangely enough, other people are having some difficulty with it, number one. Number two, the, the inner guilt that she has for having done it in the first place. She did what was right, but at the cost of a portion of her soul. And I thought that that really came out in those last couple of episodes where uh, Kilgrave actually shows up, you know, as a... Uh, as a ghost. figment of her imagination? Yeah, as a figment of her imagination. So, I, well, I get where you guys are coming from, and I'll give you in turn a chance to tell me everything I just said was a bunch of horseshit. But that's all of the things that I liked about her, and that's what kept me... Uh, involved in the season from from episode one to episode thirteen, Jesse, I'll let you give me fifty words or less first as a rebuttal, and then we'll move on to something else. Mm, okay, well, I think where you know, I, I do agree with you when it comes to the dichotomy. That's a good point uh, between her and, and Patsy Walker. I think that's that's actually something that you know I didn't pick up on. Um, I can tell you that, you know, when she makes the decision to run off with her mom, she has no idea what's going on what's going to happen next. She should have called me because I probably could have told her, well, hey, you go, your mom's going to die pretty soon. She just be ready because this is comics. Okay. This is a comic book show. Have you heard of Uncle the- Ben? He, he died. <laughs> yeah, the cops are on your tail. I know what your character's all about. I know how this is all going to end. Did you guys know that, uh, her mom, I can't even remember her name. What, what was her? Al- Alyssa. Alyssa Jones, which is uh, a neat little trick on the word alias, by the way. Um, her, her. Alyssa Jones. What's that? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Um, Alyssa Jones is was never in – she was not in the comics. She's completely new. So uh, this is – even though she was a brand-new character, I, I knew what was going to happen as soon as Jessica made the decision – what she was going to do. It seemed like she was going to run off with her mom. Yeah, I mean, maybe she'd turn her in. I don't know, but she was going to try and do something to figure out what to do, but it, it was all going to end badly. Uh, so I'll stop there. Right. Small correction here. Um, 
Alyssa Jones is Mrs. Campbell. Mrs. Campbell is a fictional character in Marvel Comics, character created by Michael Bendis and Michael Gatos. He um, appeared in Alias Number Twenty Two. Mrs. Campbell oh. is the mother of Jessica Campbell, who would grow up to become Jessica Jones. While driving to Walt Disney World, Miss Campbell got into an argument with her husband, causing them to get distracted by driving into a military convoy that was caz- carrying hazardous chemicals. The car swerved, swerved, bro, because, off the road. Because and- the, those mythological hazardous chemicals are so great for <laughs> health. <laughs> the car swerved off the road and landed in an embankment, killing everyone except the daughter, Jessica. Okay, so in the comics, she actually dies. Did they say she becomes a superhero at all? Or not superhero, but a superpowered being? As near as I can tell, she's dead dead. Okay, all right. Well, that that doesn't surprise me. I think this iteration of, uh, of Alyssa is a, a bit different than, well, uh, completely different, considering she's still alive. <laughs> Winfrey, I'll let you, uh, are, are you, are you turning over to Winfrey for a rebuttal or what? Sure. Why not? All right. I'm not going to say that everything you said is incorrect because it, because it isn't like if I'm going to, there's fair criticism of this season and then there's unfair criticism. I'm like to think most of mine are fair. The real problem I had with, there's two major issues with the character of Jessica throughout this season. One is, and I mentioned this before, this is an issue of kind of the writing. All of the, like, actual development is kind of, like, it exists at the very end and nowhere else. If we're supposed to be on a journey, I'd like to think that we don't spend, you know, nine episodes traveling 20 miles an hour and then the last three at Mach 5. Yeah, which is okay. kind of what we got here. So, so you're one of the pe- one of the people who said the biggest problem with this season is the pacing. Sort of. It's not so much pacing as it is content of pacing. Like, I don't mind slower paced television. I don't mind slower paced movies. I have to be engaged for a, for something that is slower. I mean, really, I have to be engaged in things that move quickly as well, otherwise they're pointless as, you know, Michael Bay's filmography. But this almost takes the opposite approach in the sense that, like, no, we're not actually going to go really anywhere, but boy, here's all this, uh, you know, like, loosely emotional content. I don't have a good, I don't have a good, like, comparison. Like, if Michael Bay made Hallmark movies... You know, if you add the Hallmark equivalent of a Michael Bay film, that's kind of what we get here. <laughs> I don't understand how people work, but here's an explosion. No, no, that's George Lucas. <laughs> this is more, boy, I don't know how to write really good dialogue, so instead here's people looking distraught. I agree with you about, you know, the interactions between Jessica and uh, Trish and Trish's inevitable descent into these self-justified villains should be interesting. Uh, assuming we get season three, and I can't imagine that we wouldn't. It's, uh, again, like, my biggest gripe with this season is both pacing and structure. There's a lot of disconnect, and a lot of it doesn't flow as much as it really needs to if you're going to make a lot of these, you know, this kind of 
more cerebral story, that's fine. I mean, I don't care that there that it's light on action. I really don't. That doesn't bother me at all. Provided that what you have instead is engaging and there's a lot in this season that just isn't interesting. And maybe that's just me. Maybe other people out there say, feel, feel completely like, differently. I feel like that's that's you, though. I feel like you're making a value judgment on um, on content. I like this, not that. This is good, this is bad. But that's all according to Winfrey. Because I just laid out like ten things that I, that I thought was interesting. That I thought you, were interesting. You really found everything in, season, in episode five interesting. All right, uh, you're going to put me on the spot. Oh, the octopus. Mm. Uh, let's see. Let's read. Let's let, let's go through this just just so I can answer your question. <laughs> Jones spends a day at the police station before Hogarth convinces her to tell the truth. Okay, I thought there was a there was a good debate there over how they sure that things. went twenty minutes too long. All right, Detective Eddie Costa believes Jones' story and releases her with Jones promising to keep Costa informed as she continues to investigate. Um, that was good. I enjoyed this stuff. Co- I liked Costa. Like his his the interplay between him and Jones is one of the highlights of this whole season. And and while the his black uh, cop partner there doesn't have, get a whole lot to do, I do like the fact that you had two sides of an argument represented in these two detectives, vis a vis what to do with all these super powered vigilantes living in the city. I, I really yeah. I, I like the fact that that at least they took some time to. Um, so, some time to show that not everybody is going to embrace these people and that there are going to be real problems, you know, as far as, you know, those who think that, you know, superpowered individuals taking the law into their own hands is a recipe for disaster, which it often is, um, at least in fiction. Walker bailed out by her mother's struggles with the after effects of using the IGH drug. Yeah, we really need to talk about that next. Um, Oi. With her, <laughs> with her new boyfriend, Griffin Sinclair, asked her to marry him, but Walker turns him down. Oh, my God. That whole build-up to the, the proposal and then her reaction. Yeah, I was... I was gripped. <laughs> I'm not joking. I really was. Really? Oh, my Seriously. God. That broke my heart. I, I was... Oh, <laughs> you are... S- really? Yeah. didn't see that coming. I, wow. I don't spend a lot of my time, like... It has to be. You've done enough shows with me now. I don't spend a lot of my time, like trying Thinking to anticipate about these things. No, I really don't. I just try to. I try to be entertained by what I'm watching. Sorry, um, and I don't spend a lot of time trying to look behind the curtain to see how the magic is performed, um, unless it's really obvious. And yeah, then it, that's it's a problem. Really, yeah, no, no. Like if there's a curtain there, I won't look behind it. I have an issue with people doing it out in the open, <laughs> which is what so many of these shows do. All right, Smarty. Um, she takes the idea. I told you. I, I mean, again, Luke Cage is another example of this. I knew what was going to happen. Beat for beat. I've just absorbed enough material in the genre. <coughs> uh, she takes the IGH drug again. Ducasse takes <coughs> excuse me, Green to Hogarth, who agrees to place her in a safe house. Before then, Hogarth asks Green about IGH's experiments. Jones meets with David Kowecki. An inmate in, at a mental hospital serving time for murder at Green's fellow and uh, me, bleh. yeah, David Kowecki, <laughs> an inmate at mental at a mental hospital serving time for the murder of Green's fellow nurse who was actually killed by the mysterious woman. 
I mean, I, I wasn't completely gripped by what was happening here, but it was fine. It was part of the mystery. Um, not everything's gonna gonna hit the same uh, pitch and interest necessarily. Jones learns of a shared interest in octopi that Koweki has with an IGH doctor and visits the aquarium. He recognizes the doctor, Carl Malice, and a new memory from after the incident. He is meeting with the mysterious woman who smashes the glass enclosure to cover their escape when they see Jones. Okay, your problem is, is the stuff with the octopus and the inmate, I guess? I have so many problems. I'll, yeah, <laughs> I mean, boy. Really, I could have picked... Uh, look, I picked that episode largely at random. I had, like, seven. Then in my head, i like, okay, no, these are deeply problematic. <laughs> right, but you're asking me, did I find everything in five to be, you know, gripping? Some more so than others, but overall, I... Ha- I None of none of the episodes really lost me the way they seem to have lost you guys. Okay, I think that there is where we're finding a difference in how we approach this the season. There are there seem to be pockets where, for one reason or another, the show just loses you entirely, and there goes your interest level, and it kind of colors everything after the fact. The show never lost me. Now I can tell you about shows that have lost me where I was like, I'm fucking done with this. Gotham, I'm looking squarely in your direction. Um, there were there were episodes there, there were seasons of Arrow um, as I was as I was catching up All on those Arrow. where <laughs> God damn it <laughs> where you know I would tune out for like entire episodes because I just wasn't interested in what was happening I was just trying to get through the season this didn't happen here I'm I'm you know that's that I honestly feel that way that no, at no point did it completely lose me the way Gotham or Arrow has. That's fair. Again, that's how you, in particular, enjoyed it. Again, I felt... I mean, really, if you shave, like, three episodes off of this season, you're probably in a much stronger place and then make them actually, like, condense and trim. I feel like we've said that about a, things. I feel like we've said that about a lot of these Marvel shows, though. Oh, yes. Quite frankly, I think we've said that about a lot of Netflix shows, that 13 episodes is just too long. 13 episodes is fine if you have the right... If you actually have it planned out and laid out and it makes sense... The real problem becomes, okay, we're going to fill 13 episodes. Now, you re- what you really have to ask yourself is, do you actually have enough for 13 yeah. episodes? Do you have the content? Can you make it interesting enough? You can do 13. Just make it something that I want to watch. I mean, I don't think Punisher had a weak episode. I don't really think Luke Cage had a weak episode. Oh, I don't I know. Have, I remember that I discussion. To, and we all... I might have to... No, no, no. I had issues with the totality of Luke. I don't think I ever pointed to one episode and went, no, you, get out. It was more, <laughs> boy, I didn't need 30 minutes of hip-hop concerts throughout the course of my se- of my season of television. No, no, no. Never mind your racist views on Luke Cage. Let, let's go back to... <laughs> let's go back to Punisher for a moment, okay? You you honkies, you. <laughs> you. We all talked about how there were, there were aspects of Punisher that went on too long and didn't need to be... They didn't need to have an entire episode dedicated to the Punisher chasing fucking what's-his-face around a Ferris wheel. Not a Ferris wheel. Around a um, merry-go-round. Yeah. You mean the finale when he fought, when he and Billy Russo have their shootout and throwdown? It didn't need... It did not need an hour. That was that 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 was ten it to twenty minutes full, at best. I think that's all it had. It wasn't the full episode. It went on forever, and I distinctly remember having this conversation. 
you felt like it went on forever. I think if you actually clocked it out, it didn't actually take that long. It went on for 20 hours. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. <laughs> As did that rendition of Hail to the Chief. <laughs> Jesse, you want to step in between us as we have the sissy uh, slap fight? The, the one thing that I can remember about The Punisher is that, yes, we agreed that it could have been shortened, but there wasn't any one episode where we were like, okay, this is this is outright wrong we shouldn't be you know this is this isn't something we should have to deal with now i'm looking at episode five of jessica jones here just going through tv time looking at some of the snapshots some of the more popular stuff memes and stuff that they threw up on the episode uh the one thing that kind of confused me because right here you just went down through the whole plot synopsis of what happened in that episode but right at the end okay jessica's mom and the doctor are there at the zoo aquarium the aquarium, excuse me, the aquarium. And her mom looks up and sees her. Now, the whole time that you, you get this sense that the mom sort of wants to be reunited with the daughter in some way, right? No, not at that time. Not, not, not at, at that, that time. Not at that point. Now, explain to me why. Why was she not wanting to be reunited with Jessica? Dude, then? okay. I, yeah, this is easy. Because the, she because the representation killed. of the evil white patriarchy had not told her it was time yet. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this is... I mean, I have a serious problem You're, with the... No, do you want a serious no, answer? No, 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 no. no. I, I, the, damn it, I'm going to answer him, because he asked the question, right. and then you decided ahead, to throw your dick out him. there and swing it around for people <laughs> instead of giving an actual answer. It's Look, a big white whale. If you, Go ahead. <laughs> I promise, Sean, there'd be no more dick swinging. I promise, Sean, there'd be no more dick swinging. Um, anyway. The answer, Jesse, was very simple, and it was told in the flashback episode where um, where the mother ends up killing the boyfriend in the alley, if you'll recall. At okay. that point, the mother, the mother had decided that Jessica was better off without her. Number one, she knew she couldn't control herself, that, she would, that she'd zone out you know, to almost like a semi-catatonic state, and you know, kind of like the Hulk, where her rage just takes over, and she's acting on pure impulse and emotion, and in doing so, she kills people. And she thought, you know, and in not only does she kill the guy, but she realizes that um, she hurt Jessica because Jessica didn't know the full context of what had happened. So Jessica just thinks, like, you know, the guy got killed by the uh, by the thugs. Mm-hmm. And, I remember and, that. And, and, and Jessica doesn't know that he was like, setting her up and using her and all of that. She just thinks that she, her poor boyfriend got killed by thugs. And the mother realizes that she's more of a harm to Jessica in her present condition than not. That as a mother, she at that time, in that place... She had nothing to offer Jessica of value and therefore thought Jessica was better off without her. Jessica had a stepmom. Jessica had a place. Jessica had a life. And she felt like, oh, I'm going to bring this person is pain. And as a mother, she didn't want to do that. So she thought, I'll just start again with malice in this other, in this other life and I will leave Jessica to her own devices. She's better off that way. Now, she, prior to this, they sat down across from each other at a table in a bar. Yeah. And had a calm conversation, correct? Uh, until Jessica said she'd rather die, she would have rather died in the car wreck. And now you're talking about two, again, 
a, a, a philosophical debate that's that's also mirrored between Jessica and uh, and Trish, which is, do you know, is there any is there any value in these powers in this second chance that you've been given? And Jessica says no. Jessica, you know what's 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 interesting to me about this character, and I think appealing on a certain level is Jessica is just a few shades shy of suicidal. Like Jessica, yeah. is Unfor- ju- uh, she exists in that obnoxious place where, boy, I want to die, but I don't have the balls to do it. Oh, jeez, <laughs> one could call it obnoxious. Sure, um, <laughs> I-, I think I think my virtue of what I do as for a guy. A li- and look, I I've been there. I spent years in that place. It sucks. It sucks being around people like that. It sucks even more when there's a thirteen when you have to watch thirteen consecutive hours of television featuring. Well, well hang on, we're, we're we're being glib now, but I think you just hit upon. Maybe why you're reacting negatively to the season. This touches no, you in a very negatively. No, look, I, I have issues with the season personally. I have issues with it structurally. Okay, I'm not saying that your structural arguments are without are without uh, validity, but I do think it's it's worth pointing out that you and I are both reacting from a personal level to this season in two different ways. I remember I work with people like this, like you, I guess, like her. On a day-to-day basis, this is this is my life. But I'm working at it. I'm coming at it from a, you know, from a helper point of view. I'm I work with these people in order to get them away from that place in their life. At least that's what they tell me I'm supposed to be doing. I mostly just do documentation and you know and referrals. But anyway, um, I don't know enough about my crazy job. Um, whereas I think there's a lot of there's a lot of reflection going on for you. And I don't know. I don't. I don't want to psychoanalyze you. That's not what we're trying to do here. But I do think that maybe there's a, the, 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 for you, there's a kind of. Ugh, I don't want to deal with this. This is this is hitting me where I used to live or, or or live now, and I just I reject it out of hand for that reason. I don't want to deal with this. I don't mind dealing with that as long as it's again as long as it's interesting. And I had a real hard time finding anything of perpetual interest in the majority of this season okay and again maybe that's me i i can only speak for myself in this instance again i can talk about issues of writing i can talk about issues of structure i can talk about issues of oh god the side plots (laughs) (laughs) all right let's because boo (laughs) Mm -hmm. i i know you guys are itching to trash the jerry hogarth stuff so for the for the sake for the in for the sake of time, Jesse, do you feel like you're, you know, you're that part of the discussion? My question is answered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fine. I can kind of understand that. I just, you know, I, going back through and looking at some of the stuff that happened, you know, after you watch the end of the series, you're kind of like, well, you know, they just need to hug it out. And then, you know, <laughs> right at the beginning, we would have probably about six episodes less. But, uh, you know, that's... It's neither here nor there. They they had a story to tell. They had a very long game. Uh, and you know, and there's been a lot have... of there's a lot of stories that are told about uh, adoptive, uh, sorry, uh, biological parents meeting their children that they gave up for adoption, and their children not always welcoming them back into life. Some stories, you know, the children are in a place where they can welcome their parents back and understand where they were coming from. You know, when they gave them up. Others have some real difficulties with it, and I think that's that's what what the authors of this season were, were trying to go at is, you know, Jessica's not mentally in a place where 
you know, where she was ready to allow this person back in her life. And then when you look at the circumstances surrounding it, you know, all of the science fiction elements around it, you know, it, it definitely complicates things. This is not as this is not as easy a situation for any being broken or otherwise to to deal with. I was fine with that. Like that, honestly, like, you know, their big tearful reunion when she ends up punching her in the face. <laughs> like and, you do. I was okay. With, like, no, that didn't bother me at all. Like, I was I was okay with elements of her reaction. I was completely okay with it. It made sense for the character. It was well acted. I I don't really have a major gripe with that. Okay. Let's talk about Trish. And let's talk about drugs and rehab. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, a so, couple of elements of Trish's story in this season. You have the, I want to be a superhero, I want an Easter egg, I want an Easter egg, I want an Easter egg elements. You have the, I'm a drug addict. I, you know, and we should really just refer to her as like Veruca Salt going forward because really, <laughs> my uh, when I first met my wife, she uh, she had this little imitation thing that she would do. She was like, "Mummy, this is when we were looking to buy a house." So there's some context here, but you know, we're out there looking for a house, and she wanted to live in South Tampa, and she would say, "Mummy, mummy, buy me a bungalow in South Tampa." <laughs> that's 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 Patsy all over, um, but. <laughs> So you have you have this character who is an addict. It do, doesn't matter what. Can, the can we also is. for the can we also for the moment bring up her shocking lack of self awareness? <laughs> oh wow! Be my guest. You have the ball, sir. You have the clamshell. Okay, she gets this inhaler that grants you temporarily increased senses, increased speed, and reflexes and strength. Yeah, it's meth. It's aerosol meth. Whatever it is, like, they never actually get into the specifics of it, but it's meth. It's horribly toxic. It's meth. It's like it's meth and PCP, because you <laughs> actually do need the physical like lack of limitations that come from no longer feeling pain that you get with PCP components. And you know, but it's perfect. partially, but it, but it's partially organic. So I'm sure there was weed in there somewhere too. Let's just <laughs> throw it all in there. <laughs> the point being, she has this, and, and weed's not because a drug. She is, and because she is completely, yeah, like drowning in inferiority complex over everything that isn't perfect in her life, though she can't actually admit this, she starts using this. And despite violent physical reactions to the withdrawals, despite looking like a coked out streetwalker after she gets off of it, despite the night sweats and the paleness and the bloodshot Shooting. eyes. And literally every single symptom of withdrawal, she's, no, I'm not on anything. Let's contrast this with, with another addict from the series, because Malcolm's an addict. Mm -hmm. The first time he takes a hit off of that, <laughs> his reaction is, oh, what the hell? And he literally <laughs> runs away from her. <laughs> if he could have run out of his own body, he would have. <laughs> yes. Now, th and this is what kind of kills me about that whole circumstance is, like, I mean, if you want to get into, like, clinical terms, I imagine Trish is still, like, in denial about her addiction. <laughs> yeah. Like, she views it as a negative social consequence when she's high, not that, like, this is actually a problem. I will tell you from working with addicts for almost, for over 10 years, that, and, and I see this especially in the jails, we get people who 
shoot everything they can find into their veins, get arrested, we dry them out, they get released, go right back to doing it again. But in that interim where they're drying out, it's just the worst. It's, I mean, these people are miserable. They, they're puking, they're, they're retching, they're sweating, they feel like hot no, garbage. It's terrible. It is yeah. the, it's one of the worst things in the world. Right. And this is and this is with being given, you know, benzodiazepines to help them, you know, with with so they don't die from the withdrawal effect cuz you know, withdrawing from alcohol or withdrawing from from like Xanax could could kill you. And it has yeah, it has to be done properly. Yeah. So, you know, we we medicate them, we we put them in the infirmary, we care for them as best we can in you know, in an incarceration setting. And you would think, like, the experience of having gone through that hell would deter them from doing it again. But addiction in the mind, let alone the physicality of the, of the substances themselves, is so strong. Just the psychological aspects of addiction can be so strong that, that as soon as they get out, they go right back to doing it again. Knowing full well that when they stop, they're going to go through that same hell again, it doesn't matter. And I thought no, that was I, again, very well that. portrayed and, in Trish's character. Yeah, my, my complaint is not about the writing of the character. This is more a, again, this is about that character and their own denial about their addiction. And again, like you have, a, you have an immediate point of comparison where you have another addict character. In fact, he's devolving into sexual addiction a bit as throughout earlier parts of the season, who, when exposed to this chemical immediately knows exactly what's coming and is, again, aware enough to go, this is the dirt worst, how could you do this to me, I am leaving. <laughs> Versus a character still very much in denial about this. And it's, again, it, it's well done. It's, a, it's annoying to look at because people with addiction are deeply, deeply frustrating to deal with. <laughs> I know I've asked this before, but uh, for the sake of argument, have you ever seen the Basketball Diaries? No. It's been a while. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio at the end of that movie is all I can think about when you know when I see like fictionalized accounts of people in the throes of addiction. Because not even The Wire dealt with that aspect of it. Um, I mean, the one time you see a character really fall from grace and struggle with addiction is Bubbles. But that's after he accidentally killed a kid. This is, you know, if I remember correctly, at the end of Basketball Diaries, Leonardo DiCaprio is just at the end of his fucking rope, you know, and and good. I mean, Requiem at- for a Dream deals with a lot of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you haven't seen it lately, it's worth it's worth the rewatch. And if you haven't seen it at all, it's definitely worth sitting through. A little, a, a young Leonardo DiCaprio crying out for drugs. It's a fun story. Jesse, your your thoughts on Miss Trish Walker? Ah, Trish Walker and her drug addiction. Um, we had to get to an end point with Trish Walker, and that's turning her into Hellcat. And the one way that I think that they figured they could do that, it, it just it felt like they were writing this drug addiction stuff in order to get to that point. We have to get her to we have to get her to Hellcat somehow, uh, and using the addiction side of things seemed I wouldn't call it weak because it was actually I guess somewhat uh, somewhat of a, a a good way of trying to get her there because it had been talked about before you know she's the Hollywood actress uh, and 
you know, has been exposed to all that. But one of the comments that I remember reading earlier was that there were way too many characters that people loved at the beginning of the show and then turn around and hate it at the end of this show. Uh, and I think she was probably the biggest culprit of that because a lot of the stuff that she did again <laughs> was, it was all to get that fix, man. I got to get my fix. Well, just I, one more fix. Well, I, I keep saying she's an addict and I'm trying to leave the word drug out of there because I don't think drugs matter as such. I think drugs are a thing you can be addicted to, but it is the addictive personality that drives her choices. Oh, no, like her fall from grace is going to be predicated on her addiction to adulation. Well, that's what I'm saying. The first first time she screws up as a hero and everyone points out that, I mean, she's going to go full Ronda Rousey as far as that that (laughs) fall from grace. (laughs) I'm on top of the world. No, you cocked up and you died. (laughs) <laughs> you, you, you killed someone. You didn't save someone. You you bludgeoned an innocent person. The negative publicity associated with that and her own ego associated with her own perceived virtue is going to cause her to snap and is what's going to be the inevitable thing that pushes her into conflict with Jessica well, as far as <clears throat> heroics. I was going to say, can we go ahead and talk about the big spoiler at the end uh, when – I thought the law was coming to take care of Jessica and her mom, and it wasn't her mom after all. It was Trish Walker, who shows up with a gun in her hand and blows the brains out of Alyssa. That, I mean, yeah. How am I supposed to like this character now? How am I supposed to do that? And I think that's the point, obviously, because now you're thinking, well, how in the world can Jessica and Trish get along after this? Well, let's, There's let's no ask, way. Well, let's ask an even, an even, I don't want to say a better question, but let's, let's ask a different question. The whole season, one of the things Jessica's struggling with is murdering Kilgrave. You know, from from start to finish, we bookended, we, we bookended this season with Jessica struggling with when is it right to kill? Right? When, you know, when is it, when is it a good thing to kill another human being? Under what circumstances? And then what what are the consequences of making that decision? And you know, and at the end of the day, I think she, you know, while she's able to forgive herself for killing Kilgrave because there were extenuating circumstances, she ultimately comes to the belief that it is never right to kill. And then you look at you look at Trish who is riding that wave with her and he's like you know you're a badass you're a badass you're a badass well I want to be a badass too and and equates Alyssa Jones with Kilgrave as being the same kind of danger when they couldn't be any further apart when you really think about it and she says no 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 they're the same and blows her head off and <laughs> Jessica's like no you've missed the point you crazy person would would you like me to write either the mid-season part of season three or the finale. And that's going to be, these girls are going to work their issues out and they're going to hug at the end of things. Is that is that how this is going to end? Or are they going to... How would you handle this, Mark Radulich? I, I if feel, something like that happened? No, I think that... I, first of all, I think you're writing the porn version of Jessica Jones season three. <laughs> I where, said hug. Where, where, I said hug. Yeah, okay. I you, said hug. You mean scissor. Um. <laughs> Uh-oh. Now my son showed up. Oh, gosh. 
Now I'll, I'll let you guys talk. I'll put this on mute. Is, it, does your butt itch, son? <laughs> okay. All right. He said no. I'll be right back. <laughs> Terrific. Um, well, I want to address this when he comes back since he asked the question. But I was talking about let, let's kick the word addiction around for just a second, you know, because she she spends a lot of this season searching for purpose, you know, and she feels like well, if she can, you know, she's the one pushing Jessica to find out the, the secret behind IGH and her powers. Not because of anything that would benefit Jessica, though that's that's how she she uh, contextualizes and frames her no, argument. No, she, she, she's a crappy salesman, is what that boils <laughs> down to. She sells this investigation to Jessica, while in reality only wanting it to try and legitimize her career. She's not right. happy doing a lifestyle talk radio show, even though Mark would kill for that gig. Oh, are you kidding me? I don't know. I <laughs> I used to think I wanted callers, then I got some and decided maybe not so much. What you need is someone to screen them, because we don't have that. <laughs> That's what we're really missing. This is true. Um, I don't know, man, because I, I, I used to listen to the Rush Limbaugh show. Now, he has a call screener and millions of people calling him, and still nuts got through, who, if I had to take those calls, I would have I would have shot myself. There's some truly, truly silly people out there. There are, but the point being, like again, this is a person with a lot of success across a lot of different venues who is constantly still dealing with inferiority complexes. I'm not good enough. And and she seems to think and that And to be fair, her nar- her, you know, pathologically narcissistic mother planted that seep real deep in her brain from a young age. Yeah, she did. Um, you know, I think why was no one killed that woman? The one thing I, I will t- Okay, hey Jesse. Hey. All right. So you wanted me to, to fantasy book season three. I think fan, I think season three really comes to a head with Jessica versus Patsy. I think I, I think and then they hug it out. No, they're not going to hug it out. I think no that, one's going to die. Mark Radlich. They're no, not going to kill don't think each anyone, other. I don't think anyone dies, but I think oh, that, I wish they would. I think <laughs> I think what you're going to see is is Jessica and Jessica and Hellcat come to vicious blows and Jessica just come just short of killing her and you know and saying you know I'm I'm not you I'm not a murderer and she's gonna say but Kilgrave and, she, and she's gonna say it, it, the fact that you don't understand what caused me to kill Kilgrave just just shows you never deserved you never deserved to be a hero in the first place and I think that's where it's gonna be left oh, okay so it's not we're not gonna have a happy ending no, this is Jessica Jones. I think they firmly established there are no happy endings. That's true. That is true. The The biggest problem with the show running over the course of, say, five seasons is that they're not actually going to have the stones to kill everyone off the way the, seri- the way the tragic elements of the story have set up and kind of demand. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone has to die, and they won't actually do it. Dude, you know, you know I, would, I would not be opposed to them killing Patsy in the next season, like that, and have that be the season finale. It is pretty well written that Jessica Jones is a very, very tragic character. We just covered Jessica Jones Uncaged. Was that released this week? I would assume it was since we're synergizing all the time. Um, And the first six issues end with her in a heap on her knees and her uh, hands up to her face bawling her eyes out because Luke Cage came and grabbed her kid and took him away, or took her away. Uh, So she's she wrecks everything in her own life and it, you want to root for this 
people, if you're rooting for Jessica Jones, just be ready. You're going to get let down a lot. A lot. <laughs> uh, because everything will fall apart around her. And that's where you want to root for a happy ending for this girl. And to not get it is yeah. going to be really <laughs> yeah. rough. She, yeah, you do. I'd love a happy ending from Jessica Jones. What? <laughs> I mean, we watched in the last, was it the last episode where her mom gets killed in front of her? That's horrible. No matter what, no matter what her mom did, she was on the path of reconciliation, and we watch her mom get killed right in front of her by her sister slash best friend. Sad, sad. Continue. This show's I'm done get, talking. This show's going to get an award for least woke with comments like uh, like the one I just made. Just want to put put that out there. Least woke. Uh, like least piss woke. off. <laughs> I, I I hate a blowjob joke. It was Look, the totality of the woke movement is a bunch of jackasses sucking themselves off. Whoa! Hey, another blowjob comment. That's two in a row nice. in less than five minutes. I, right. I don't want to be. I don't want to be involved in this club. <laughs> Speaking of blowjobs, let's talk about uh, Jerry Hogarth. Um, oh boy! <laughs> and lack thereof. Transitions. <laughs> we love them. All right. I'm not going to – I have spent a lot of time talking on this podcast, you know, in defense of this show and what I liked about it. I have bled from the heart like the good liberal that I am or at least I've been accused of being. I'm going to actually kick this You're one over. You're the most liberal on this podcast, if nothing else. Uh, this is very true. Um, but I'm going to kick this one over to you guys because I know that this is just just red meat as far as, you know – I, I want to hear your defense of it first. Do you really? Because I'm pitching, I'm pitching the idea that you guys are just chomping at the bit to tell to tell the world how shitty this entire plotline was, and, and I want you to do it. So, I, and I, as nothing, if nothing else, I want to be entertained now. So, I'll, I'll give it over to you, Winfrey. I will defend. I will defend it because I have a defense of it. I, I have a defense of Catwoman. I have a defense of this. But I want to. I'm going to let anything other than Carrie Ann Moss is a good actress. You have nothing. Okay, fuck you. Um, but go ahead and make your case that this is shit. And then Jesse, that's all you... you've got, isn't it? <laughs> My defense. Fuck you. I, How about that? I just, uh, I just t- told you, like your only defense mechanism here is that Carrie Ann Moss is a good actress, which I will agree with. They owed her something here. They, it's like they owed her, hey, we've got a show, and we want you to be part of it, but we're not actually going to make you part of it. You're going to get mediocre. You're going to be a good supporting character throughout the first season, and I think there's a lot good that can be said about the character of Hogarth as well as Carrie Ann's portrayal in the first season. She's a conniving slime ball, which is fine. Like, sure, I can live with that. And then, but again, like, I don't know. Apparently there was some gravitation towards that character, towards I I can't be second banana. I need my own thing to do for this season. And okay, we're going to give you all this time to deal with mortality and you've been diagnosed with ALS. Which actually would have been somewhat interesting. Like... You know the the powerful person who has devoted their life to the hollow pursuit of money and uh, money esteem and influence, coming to the realization that none of that can help me. I am screwed because my body's shutting down and going to turn on me. 
I mean, that's been done, and it's been done well in the past. There's nothing really wrong with that. Instead of just kind of letting that be, we get a little of that, and then we get a whole lot of this long con. Now, cons are only interesting if you're in on it from the beginning, and you see... And... Sorry, how do I phrase this? They're only really interesting if you're in on it from the beginning and are on the side of the, you know, the con artist and you can kind of watch things unfold. I mean, there's a whole new genre of movies about that and television and it's great. That's a perfectly fine, you know, trope for, you know, methodology for setting your story. Or you're on the receiving end and you never see it coming. And then you, and of course, if you're on the receiving and you never see it coming, you have to then devote a significant amount of time to figuring out what actually happened. Here, we unfortunately get this mediocre mishmash of the two points. We're not really in on it from the beginning. It's to a character that, I mean, really, there's nothing to like about this woman. Uh, I, I mean, Mark, do you? Let me ask. You, let me start with that. Do you disagree with that premise? Like, regardless of acting, the character is not someone that you like or want to see succeed, really. I don't find her to be a compelling character, but I do not wish death on her. Fair enough. I, I, I wasn't I. either. I wasn't either. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't go in and say, no, I have ALS and I'm cheering. Like, <laughs> yes! <laughs> the bitch has been brought down! <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. like, No, no, no. I, I have no issues with... Again, not, comp- not particularly compelling, not a nice person... So you don't really care when bad things happen to her. There's no real... You're not emotionally invested in this as a person you want to see succeed and go forward in life. So if they happen to die, well, okay. Such is life. And we get a lot of... We spend a lot of time with her sort of coming to grips with death and then trying to find a way out of it and then being taken for a ride. And then, to be fair, like her revenge plot is pretty sweet. (laughs) <laughs> I, I was down for that. It fit with the character. But there is just so much time devoted to her and that nurse who is kind of slowly weaseling her way into her good graces to get her boyfriend out of prison. There's that whole protracted scene in the first couple of episodes where she goes on a coked-out bender with, like, three hookers. Like you that do. Just, that just never ended. Like, that is, it's, 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 oh my gosh I remember sitting there going this I, I'm I'm uncomfortable now I, I really I, there's no reason to continue to have to sit through this and we can go to the next scene please and it just I'm not gonna stopped. lie I fast forwarded through it uh, and the, which is not the sign of a well-constructed sequence when you reach for the fast forward button, like yes. Wow, does that say something about that scene and us as men? That three <laughs> straight men were like we're, we're forced to watch a scene of of women getting it on and partying, and we're like, oh god, fast forward through this or shit. <laughs> <laughs> like I like, hadn't thought about it in that context, but <laughs> yes, it does. Put your clothes back on, Jerry. <laughs> It, it, again, it's it's not that it's a bad premise. It's not even that, you know, ha, it, again, it's not that it's a bad premise. It's not that it's badly acted. Again, Carrie Ann Moss does a really good job selling the desperation. 
of someone who knows that, no, I have this incurable disease. And at times wanting to enter life on her terms and being vengeful and vindictive and desperate and vulnerable to... I mean, again, like, this is a... She, this character is portrayed not in a way that you'd think she'd be taken for a ride by a couple of low-rent con artists. And yet that's exactly what happens as she becomes desperate to avoid the grim specter of becoming Stephen Hawking. Mm. All right. Again, I don't have a problem with the conception of this idea. I have serious issues with how much time it took. I have serious issues with the way it was interspersed throughout the story. It was more like... I mean, she's not quite poochy, but there might be an <laughs> argument there. Okay. No, well, no, everyone has to be asking, what's going on with Jerry? Uh, <laughs> nothing. Like, Jesse, it, go, go ahead and wait. That's my big gripe with this. Like, if you want to point to a badly executed bit of this, and again, I've pointed to a few others that I can accept there's reasonable debate on, there's not really anything, again, apart from just Terry Ann Moss's acting, which is good about that entire subplot and its execution that is good. All right, Jesse. I know that you were chomping at the bit also to tell me how much shit this was, so go ahead. Three words. I don't care. <laughs> I, get, I, I could really honestly care. Uh, I cared very little for what was going on with Jerry, Okay. She was not a character I was invested in. Not a character that made... What influence did she have on the plot of this damn show? Uh, and that whole side story had nothing, nothing to do. <laughs> nothing to do with Jessica Jones resolving issues with her mom. Now, one of the things that I sent to you, Mark Radulich, prior to this, after I, right before I finished the season, I think was that imagine if they did this with Microchip and the and Frank Castle. But, in, you know, they, they took, here's Microchip and here's Frank, and we're just going to have them cross paths, maybe one episode, and then we're going to do two totally different things with both characters throughout the whole series. Punisher would have sucked horribly. Horribly. Because we're watching two different stories unfold. The name again says Punisher and we're subject to we're subject to this whole this whole piece of story that has nothing to do with the Punisher if that was the case in this case we have Jerry Hogarth it doesn't say Jessica Jones starring neon letters down there on the bottom or featuring Jerry, the story of Jerry Hogarth that's not on the poster I didn't see it I tell you though, you could you could totally sell the misanthropic lesbian adventures of Carrie Ann Moss <laughs> as a subset of Jessica Jones, which is what this felt like. It does not feel connected to at the, all to this story. One, not one bit. And I, I mean, there were Mark. I don't fast forward through my shows. I really don't understand how you can do it. Apparently, that's probably a well, habit. I'm, I'm going to I, have I to did pick it up frequently for this for this season. There were huge stretches when I'm like. Okay, we're not going anywhere. Let me scan my thing across the bottom and see when the scene ends. Yeah. I Oh, this goes on for another five minutes. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I guess I am the one uh, representative of this show that watched every single second 
of Jerry Hogarth on screen. And yes, the the re- revenge plot at the at the end that was that was kind of cool. But again, why, why the fuck should I care? Why do I care? I, this has nothing to do with the main plot that's going on. It should it's have not never, even an interesting side character. I it should have never been in there. You want to talk about shortening episodes? This right here is a prime example of what should have been on the cutting room floor before even it, it was shot. They should have said, "Hey, we can't afford you, Carrie." Uh, just show up one episode. We're taking the rest of that money, and we're going to put it into you know some more special effects or something. Put it somewhere else. Uh, the anything. CGI of Alyssa breaking that tank wouldn't made my wouldn't make my eyes bleed. Because <laughs> boy, was that bad. <laughs> so I, I mean, it was the worst part of this series, uh, and. You know, keep Blizzard alive for two or three more episodes. Make him a side character. Oh my goodness, I would have been happy if he would have like joined Team Alias for some reason and been the comic sidekick. And when I say sidekick, like Jessica Jones could kick him in the ass every once in a while when she was pissed. All right, but I I can't go on anymore other than just I hope that I'm not alone. It doesn't sound like I'm alone here on this podcast. And when I see tweets from people that say this series was the absolute best of what Marvel has brought to the Netflix table. I I lose faith in like, okay, how did you, did you fast Humanity. forward to, sir? Did you fast forward to? I need to learn this habit because apparently that's making everything so great. Uh, okay, now right. I, will, I will tell you why people are saying that because the vast majority of people don't read comic books don't like comic books don't see the value in comic books but know that comic books are kind of the in thing now in terms of creating uh television shows and movies so they 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 don't want to be seen as not hip so it's like okay we'll watch the comic book stuff just so long as it's not really comic booky we don't really want comic book stuff um you know we want stuff that transcends the comic books because comic books are dorky uh so that's where that's where that's coming from yeah, it's not like I've been oppressed for the last 15, 20 years having to deal with people say, oh, you're just a big nerd. And now now Marvel Comics and the Cinematic Universe has blown up. Everybody's jumped on this bandwagon that I've been on since I was 10. And then now I've got to, I've got to try and sit here and say, oh, well, we don't like your Marvel Comics. We, 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 we don't like that. Type. We don't want to be considered dorky. Fuck off. All right. <laughs> wow, when Jesse curses. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's talk about... I feel like I'm on. I'm doing on trial now. <sighs> Here we go. Let me... What's my best defense of this entire um, subplot? I thought it was kind of a fun thing to see this haughty, uptight uptown self-made woman get she's bro- an uptown girl, girl. Okay, so. <laughs> i'll start Mark, singing i don't care seriously if you're gonna go to schadenfreude as your defense of this that's even worse than carrie ann moss is a good actress let me finish my argument for fuck's sake um now that you have to retailer it because i called it come on <laughs> i'm gonna keep talking here i'm gonna find where the mute button is on skype um 
I it's on it's on Winfrey's not... end. You have no control. Sorry. <laughs> None. Damn it. It's on mine. Where's the mute button on Spreaker? Um all right. Oh, there is one. Hot dog. Yeah. No. <laughs> there probably is on the studio, yeah. Yeah. Don't make me mute you. Um all right. As I was saying, Uptown Girl. I, I there there is a story to be told here in watching this Uptown Girl get brought low. Uh, only for her to think that she's beaten the unbeatable and and realize she's been had. I understand that, well, she herself is not an interesting character, and so watching her rise and fall and slightly rise again might not be tremendously compelling. I thought the story in and of itself was compelling enough. I'm not saying it was the driving force behind the season, nor am I saying that that alone... Uh, you know, kept me interested. And had that been the meat of the season, I'd be right there with you guys going, what What was the point of any of this? Uh, this is not interesting to me. But as far as we can't be spending the entire time with Jessica and Patsy, let's give this other character something to do that tells us about the nature of man and society, I thought that's where its value was. Because what... Can I ask you, just real quick, explain to me what was the character development that we got out of Jerry Hogarth here from beginning to end what did we learn I think um, you know going into all of that I think she had built up the facade of invulnerability and and she's made to be vulnerable Uh, I think first she's brought down with uh, ALS and then she thinks she's beaten it and she hasn't. And while she gets her little bit of revenge in the end, she's still a dying woman. She's, you know, she's still... She ends up at the same place she started. Thank you, Robert. I don't... Do, does she? Do you know that for a fact? You don't. She's you... a shitty person at the beginning. You well, have you have hope and that she's going to change her ways, Mark Radlich, because she's seen the light. She has been healed, my friend. I don't think you know truly where she is by the end of that season. You just know that she oh, got wait, back. You mean she's not? Hold on. So she's not extorting out her old partners as she would have done at the beginning of the season. She's not setting up a law firm because she's still a lawyer. She's not hiring a PI and a dick move behind Jessica's back because she's a terrible person. She's not recommitting herself towards her aura of invulnerability by specifically choosing the medication she's on while trying to cling to the facade of control exactly where she was at the start of the season yeah it's a mystery (laughs) if you're selling things you don't know until the next season that's a terrible argument that you should never make I feel feel like I've lost this argument and we should move on (sighs) the end game was horrible I mean it, it really was again I don't care it how what at what point am I going to say, oh, man, I can't wait for Jerry season three. When she shows up in Jessica Jones season three, all oh, things are going to be so different. No, they're not. Nothing you, changed. There was no value in seeing this woman who, with the facade of invulnerability suddenly become vulnerable and how she deals with it. I, I don't know, guys. I, I get, Again, I feel like where you know, they're there's showing... a Hallmark movie on about that right now if that's what you want to say. <laughs> 
<laughs> Whatever. You know, oh, you guys are I'm just not, saying, you're not I'm in not touch with your inner no, women. That's the problem okay. here. That's I'm my not argument. I'm saying there's no value in that story. I'm saying it has no value the way they implemented it over the course of this season. I will grant you. not at all the same. Thing. I will grant you. I, I, I stand corrected. You're absolutely right. She's exactly where she was at the beginning of this season. You know, her arc was more of a circle. Got it. However, it's more of a dip, like just this little blip on the on her, and really her worldview is reaffirmed in the sense that I'm a strong, independent woman who doesn't need no other woman because I'm a lesbian. Okay, that's a circle. Again, I don't know why we're saying it's a dip. I think I think the the phrase is she comes full circle. She's right back to where she started. I don't know why we're arguing over the geometry of, okay, let of, us of, not of this. All right, fine, we won't debate semantics. The last thing I want to say about this. Uh, this ep- this season also featured a really annoying kid, and somehow I preferred his scenes to anything involving Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna kill someone, eh? Um, <laughs> that's great. All right, uh, the last thing I was this- so torn because he almost fell out of that window, and I went, "I'm not sure." How I feel about this? (laughs) Die! No, don't say no. Die! No, and then, and then she saves him, and you're kind of relieved, but you're also kind of like, oh god, he lived. (laughs) All right, my my final comment on this, and then we're going to start to wrap up here because we've been at this now for an hour and a half. Um, Remember when I said we weren't going to go two hours? Um, (laughs) We're going to go pretty close to two hours. Let me let me let me say this. I I I stand corrected. I do think you're right. I I do think that. In terms of arc and storytelling and character development, she 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 begins where she ends, which your mileage may vary. I think in terms of how of how um, interesting or entertaining that might be. I will tell you that I would I think a story about you know a woman um, you know coming to grips with death and and coming to, and having to deal with betrayal. Is an, is an interesting thing. And, you know, your snide remark that, oh, there's a Hallmark movie on for you right now, you girly man. Uh, you know, whatever. But, not, but again, we're all entertained by different things. And I think that does speak to people. I think sure. her, I think her story... And it's, it's not a bad... Again, like, my issue is not that it exists. Okay. It's how it was implemented. Well, you guys are saying, it, you know, and, and, and you're largely right about this, that it just felt tacked on and, and wasn't in any way related to the central story. But I would submit to you The Shield, The Wire, and several other shows where there are entire plot lines that have no connection to the central story, but are still interesting, and they have, you know, and they involve interesting characters, and they are compelling to watch on screen. It doesn't always have to be anchored by the central story. Sure. And if this was written as well as The Shield or The Wire, we could, I wouldn't be having the issue that I am. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm not going to continue to debate this further. We, there, I'm not going to argue that there, there might have been limitations. Yeah, I'm to the not writing. even. I'm not even. Again, I'm not even arguing that you know you need, uh, you know, that side plots to that degree are not important to you know letting a story breathe to giving you something else to do with, you know, the narrative. Like, no, you do. This just sucked. I'll give you the. I'm going to give Jesse the last word because Robert and I could have sissy slap fights all night long. I'm going to give Jesse here the uh, the and last word. The past. <laughs> well, I'll give Jesse the last word here on good old Jerry Hogarth and my I, uh, my defense therein in Winfrey's dogged prosecution. <laughs> it's it's 
easily for me to say no. I I don't want I don't want her in the next season. I don't care. Make if you want to make her important, great, go ahead. Mark, you're you can you can defend all you want, but I recognized that she just didn't develop and maybe that's why at the end of things I considered it a waste. So I don't care. Let me ask Moving you a question. On. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Had the last scene of Jerry in season two been her uh, walking into the Rob department, falling on the ground and crying, been the last thing you saw of her, would your opinion change on the story or of how it was presented? I'm only asking Jesse. What the the Rob the Rob department? Yeah, remember yeah. that scene when she comes home and she's been cleaned out and she just has that breakdown. Oh, Rob, the Rob of... department. I was thinking, I was thinking the R, capital R O B. I'm like, whose apartment I don't, is this? I, I don't have one. <laughs> uh, what would it have changed differently? I don't know, because then you would been, you would have been interested as to okay, what's the next step? Is there it, it, maybe you know she's? I would say maybe yes, maybe yes. Maybe I would have been like, okay, what's going to happen next with her? And But what I would have loved to have seen is them tie that into something that matters. I didn't have to be Jess- It doesn't even have to be Jessica Jones. If you were playing with other elements from different shows, great. You know, you're, you're connecting it to this Marvel Universe. You're connecting it. It's not what even connected. Did, what did you want her to do? Go find the Punisher and say, hey, shoot this fucker? <laughs> oh, dude. Are you kidding me? No, I mean <laughs> that the Punisher is the Punisher don't work like that. Well, then again, <laughs> that would have been fun to see. Uh, yeah, you know, one of the strongest seasons of Netflix series is Daredevil season two, and that's because oh, that's not, oh no, you are talking to the no, wrong no. people about that. You are what? I I do uh, I have... well now hold on. The, you really want how me about? To... The sections with the Punisher involved. Can I? Yeah. Can I? Episodes yeah. one, can two, I throw three. that Ep- on there? Episodes one, four. two, three. That's fine. Episode right. no, four. The first four episodes of Daredevil season two would be essentially perfect television, except Elektra shows up at the end and proceeds to ruin everything. I will give you that. So we have we have a very strong story told where it's tying in two parts of the Marvel universe. We have a great guest, you know, a guest. Uh, a guest superhero in in there, and they played well off of each other. That none of that happened with Jerry Hogarth. Now, if they would have figured out a way to work that in there somehow, uh, I would have definitely been invested in some way. But she was a shit character that had a shit attitude, and ended up just as shitty at the end. That's it. I, I, let's let's move on. We have beat the shit out of Jerry Hogarth, and I hope she doesn't come back. <laughs> And the award for least woke podcast. All right. Um, what? What? Why? Why are we not woke, Mark Radlich? Because <laughs> we just because... beat the shit out of Jerry Jerry Hogarth. I don't know. Out of context, seems a little <laughs> seems a little less woke than than right. might be expected. Stop saying. saying woke. No, woke. seriously. Uh, no, it's an embarrassment be... to you and everything you stand for. Be more woke, Robert Winfrey. Your children are actively feeling shame right now, and they can't even explain why. Having <laughs> nightmares. It's like seeping into their subconscious. I'm going to go see if my children are woke. Get it? Daddy. <laughs> Daddy. I've forgotten how to be woke. All right. Um, 
Psst, I don't care about being your woke. Just remember, Jonas, that as a white man, everything is your fault, and you have to apologize constantly. Dude, now he already woke. feels that way. I can't tell you how many times like he's gotten in trouble for something. You have and he's failed just, as a parent. And he's just like, like, everything is my fault. All right, drama queen, go fuck yourself. Get in your room. Um... <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Uh... <laughs> All right, enough of uh, the, the life and times of parenting rattleage. Final thoughts. Gentlemen, things left unsaid, characters left untalked about, anything, any burning desires? Jesse, you're first. Go. Uh, I want I want to say that it was hard for me to watch uh, the character Alyssa Jones, the 61-year-old female, run. I don't know why <laughs> I had a problem with that. <laughs> but she was a little awkward, yeah. I, I remember when the dude tries to snipe her, uh, and she gets she flies off the handle and she's got to run down some stairs and Jessica Jones has got to take off after her I'm like you're going to catch up with her in like two seconds because this lady cannot run and then she's got to run upstairs and I'm like this guy's going to be long gone by the time you get there she's only moderately more nimble on stairs than Hillary Clinton is yeah, I don't know why. I, I, I don't know. I, 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 the one, the fun thing about Kristen Ritter is that she's such a slight woman. You know, she's a skinny little thing. But it, so it's fun to see her like punch cars and throw people across a room. And I feel like they, they, they took this woman who's got some size on her, and they were like, oh, but you know, she's got, I got like Hulk strength. It's like, I don't know. This might have worked better had they picked more of a slight woman instead of you know a woman who could probably you know take Charlotte Flair in the WWF. <laughs> and I do want to say that one of my favorite comments that I had the opportunity to scroll across there on TV time, there was a part in the series where Jessica Jones was complaining about how hot it was outside. She's like, New York, sweltering, heat, something, something along those lines. And you see her walking down the road in a leather jacket and jeans. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, apparently you've never lived in New York. <laughs> Apparently not. There's a style that you've got to black leather jacket. And yeah, it's 110 degrees out. You still wear your leather jacket. That's the law. Got it. Got it. Uh, okay, final word. Uh, again, it's the bottom of the barrel for me. I I hate going into something like this and hating it because there. this is a, supposed to be a Marvel series. It just wasn't done well. Uh, and I, I will I'll throw this out there and none of this came up yet but you guys understand that the showrunner uh, oh I had her name here I got too many tabs opened up uh, but Melissa Rosen, Rosenberg okay uh, she season 2 she made a women centric set with 13 female directors for these episodes did you guys know these were all directed by women oh yeah yes, they made a did. big deal out of it because hey virtue signaling now have you have you look seen... at how woke we are oh damn it you beat me to it <laughs> oh Winfrey I, I saved was... your children I didn't right? want to talk some, over I you I want some thanks for that I didn't want to talk over you but you stole my bit you bastard <laughs> So one of the things I like Jessica Alfalfa was an orphan owned by the studio. So, you know, <laughs> Jessica Jones was uh, one of the things, one of those Facebook pages that I liked and something popped up on the feed there uh, shortly after the season dropped. And it was, it was, I, I assume it was a, a picture of all the directors together. And it said, it said something about women directing uh, are, are going to be, 
you're going to be seeing a lot more of it. And, it, and the, the thing, there was just like a few words at, at the top and it said, get used to it. <laughs> and I was like, I could give a, you could be male, female, trans, she man, he man, you could be whatever. Reese, you could be a Reese Witherspoon turning into romaine lettuce. I, I, I yeah, sure. <laughs> you could be and you could be. You'd have to camera. see a wrinkle in time to get that reference, and don't see a wrinkle. In time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oprah, twenty twenty. So, oh, sh- uh, don't even joke. <laughs> I suffered through Bush. I suffered through Obama. I'm going to suffer through Trump. I will not suffer through Oprah. <laughs> so, you know, it it just begs to be said. I I don't care if you're a woman, a woman or a man. If you put a good show out there, I'll watch it. I never even knew who directed these episodes until I did a little bit of research, and not because I hated the direction in any way. But I just did not like the story that was being told. Then I found out, okay, well, you know, here's here's who you have to – you may be able to point the finger of blame at. And I hate the fact that – does it make me a chauvinist pig that I hate a series that's created all by women? Yes. If you hate it because it was created by women, yes. If you hate it in spite of that fact, no. You hate okay. women. You hate women. Period. It's 2018. Yeah. Look, yeah. we've uh, look. Someone at some point listening to this podcast is going to refer to all three of us as the you know, sexist, bigot, misogynistic homophobes. Have I told you how hot? Have I told you how hot? Have I told you how hot Adrian Palicki is? <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> really? We're doing this we again? Have this, oh. We have this conversation already. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the exact same. Bit, I did this exact same bit on Tuesday. All right. How'd it go? <laughs> you were there, asshole. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't, you know, after coming out of this season, I really wondered if there would be a season three. Oh, there I will. really do. And what are they going to, sh- well, I can tell you right now, I'm not excited for season three if it gets dropped. They left me with nothing to be excited about. Do I? Do I really care about Jerry? We've covered that. Uh, do I really care about Jessica Jones and, and Patsy Walker and their relationship and how she's going to become Hellcat and she may possibly be a villain? I couldn't. There were points where I just didn't like, you know, Trish, the, the person that played Trish, can't remember her name. I, I It was just too over the top for me. Oh, that's already put a bearing on what I'm going to do when season three drops. So it's a bottom of the barrel for me and that's it I'm not gonna I'm not gonna continue on uh, I'll turn it over to Winfrey yeah this when I say this is the worst of the seasons of television that the Netflix Marvel group have produced I I I mean that I also mean that in the sense that this there's some are you guys really with, wait are you guys really making the argument this is worse than the Defenders I wasn't counting the defenders. Hang on, let me rethink. Uh oh. Yeah. To the spreadsheet. <laughs> the defenders was a was a hot pile of hot garbage. Yeah. Hey, was, I don't know. Ask me tomorrow. Much, I'll have a different answer. There was much more excitement for me in the defenders than there was here. There was a hallway fight scene. That's all that move. There was a hallway fight scene and the four of them eating Chinese food. That's all that series was. The rest of it. Was, series, the rest of no. it was endless ninja fighting. Which Mark hates because Mark hates martial arts. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hate martial arts. Dude, when, 
there were moments. No, no, no. Hang on. Since you asked, let me actually think about that. I'm really not sure. I know which one I'd rather we watch, but that doesn't necessarily make it make it worse. Yeah. I would have to rewatch both of them, and I'm not inclined to do either. <laughs> okay. I'll call. I'll call it a draw for the moment, and just for the sake of argument. Well, you're wrong. The Defenders was worse. Mm-mm. I'm not sure I agree with that. Again, the Defenders is certainly problematic. Dude, it was like... The concept was kind of like many Avengers. Uh, as in, like, we're going to bring these four characters from the Netflix show together. And that would have been... That excited me already. And then I got to, we got to see how these characters bounced off of each other. And yeah, and then that, midway through it, it went into the ditch. Well, Again, the look, killing... <laughs> God, I can't remember the actress's name now. Killing Sigourney Weaver rarely helps your series, you know, <laughs> television or film. And it, again, like it, honestly, like my biggest... I had two problems with the Defenders. All right. You know, I'm not I've, sure how that... And I'm I, not I sure want to get to the end of this podcast, so... So <laughs> give us at least until eleven thirty. We're going to figure this out. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, okay, so again, since this is on me, excluding the defenders because I'm not sure of the solo series. All right, let me say it like that. Okay. Of the standalone seasons of television that Marvel has produced for Netflix, I believe this is the worst. It's better than Daredevil season two. I don't think it is. Daredevil season two was so incredibly uneven. I mean, yeah, sure. Where it was, again, it was uneven, but when it was good, it was so much better than everything. Exactly. In this season. Okay, Thirteen episodes and only four of them were good. That no, doesn't no, no. make a season. Those good. first, ha- no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You weren't. On, were you on the episode where Gavin and I talked about this or not? Daredevil season two. Yeah. Yes. Did Fairly certain this I was. Discussion? Yeah, I've. I'm fairly certain we've had this discussion about how much I hated Daredevil Season 2. Yeah, because you hate all things martial arts. It's fine. It's, ir- it's irrational, but it's you. So, fair enough. Your 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 proximity to me is making you become more like me in how you discuss things. I just want you to know that. Sure. <laughs> but just, the point just to let you know, Winfrey, every argument that you come up with has been generated because of the way Mark acts. Just <laughs> not, Just to let you know. The first four episodes of that season are essentially... They're not just good. They're essentially perfect. Everything after that is uneven because when it deals with stuff involving Frank and his issues, it's pretty darn good. And when it's the inability of Matt to move on from his crazy college girlfriend, it kind of veers towards the crappy. Fair. Again, I'm not calling that... the. That is not the pinnacle of anything. And it was deeply uneven. Uneven's not the same as bad. I, I would, tend, I would, I would rather argue, take, I would rather take four exciting episodes of Jessica Jones, and there's probably four episodes worth of exciting content throughout these thirteen. Then yeah, it, it'd be tough. You could scrounge it up, but <laughs> you, it would be you could. Ha- I would rather take four of that than thirteen of this of this. And that's why probably it makes it it makes it worse than season two of Daredevil or Defenders, in my opinion. 
Again, defenders, I'd hear arguments on. I think this is worse than uh, Iron Fist. I think I'll, I thought Iron Fist got an incredibly bad rap from critics. Of course, Mark and I already had that discussion. Yeah, and we if did. memory serves you, we are both. That was what we both arrived at, right? Like, no, the critics are just again have their heads up their ass when yep. it came to pretty much talking about that season. They couldn't have gotten that one more wrong, but they couldn't get past the fact that the that the ninja was white. Yeah, <laughs> and Mark couldn't get past the fact that there were ninjas. my biggest issue with this is not a again some of its pacing some of its writing some of it is it's not even a lack of action i don't care that there's not a whole lot of action i can deal with that i mean the best episode of daredevil season one features no fighting I am not married to this only because there is, you know, some kind of action set piece. There doesn't need to be. There's just not a whole lot that I found compelling. And the stuff that is compelling in this season is executed weirdly and it's paced poorly. And the predictability thing is... For me... The predictability was less about every twist and turn the narrative takes and more about how it's going to be done. And in the case of season two, it's not only predictable in the sense that it follows like every tragic trope you can imagine, it's that it does it in a very blasé, uninteresting fashion. And that's... That's kind of my biggest gripe with this entire season is that it just feels so meh. It feels like they had a significant number of issues they wanted to write about and then cobbled them together in a slipshod fashion. Here's the other thing I wanted to say that I'm not quite sure... I know what I want to say here. The lack of a centralized villain in this season... From a guy who used to run a, for you know, quite a while, ran a podcast called Everyone Loves a Bad Guy, I don't hate that, I, I do not think you need a centralized villainous character to make a show like this work. It's not necessary. But if you're going to go that route, then the, the conflicts that have to be dealt with are largely internal to the main character. And there's a real problem in this season in that Jessica doesn't really confront and overcome a whole lot of her own personal demons. I don't agree with that at all. Let me rephrase. Then Allow me to rephrase that. It's not that they don't exist. It's that the elements that should... Let me give you an example then because I'm not quite sure how I want to phrase this. She kept harping on the doctor being a bad guy. How dare he experiment on me? How dare he experiment on any of us? We couldn't possibly give consent. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, never mind the fact that you died. Let's start <laughs> there. I mean, you literally would not be alive. And if your argument is, well, then I shouldn't be alive... Here's a number of ways to fix that. That's not fair. 
And I think then you're missing her entire the point of her entire argument. And I don't really want to have that argument right now because we're trying to we're trying to get to the her to argument is here. a vague one about the nature of consent for women. It's really the but that's important the, and that is, is valuable. The screen for this. But again, you're you're dismissing something that is absolutely I'm dismissing crucial the and context valuable. because a dead person who is then brought back to life via scientific methods, via you know, weird science, then bitching about I couldn't consent it, for you to save my life after being in a massive car accident. But okay, but this has is no what, moral standing. Yeah, it does. Okay, first of all, think about the idea of like organ donors, right? You can't just harvest somebody's organs after they die unless they've expressly given written permission to be fair i disagree with that and to be fair it's still the list it's still uh what do you call it? illegal it's the law no no it's the law but that which, law stems which from which a I moral accept. place whether or not you agree with the morality of it is sort of is neither here nor there there is a there is a morality to doing something with one's own body even after the person has died I don't want to get into a religious debate about this because that's not what we're here to do. But th th there is a belief that, th that even in death, your body is still your body and you have a certain right to it and how it is used in, in the and how it is used. Uh, again, if we do that, we are going to wind up in a religious debate and my religion's better than yours. So I will win that argument. <laughs> I am one of the chosen people. You lose. Go out. <laughs> Finish up. You, you really don't want – again, that is not an argument you want to have with me. I, I really oh, don't. Geez. Oh, man. I feel like a big third Christian wheel sitting over here. I don't know what the hell's going Dude, on. Dude, I'm Christian. Okay, I all right. I don't understand why the... – You Mormons aren't really – you Mormons aren't really Christian. What are you idiot Shut that up. stuff? I cannot tell you how many times I've actually been told that by people who mean it. You know I'm joking, right? I do. I'm just okay. telling you that's not – that's not a you know that, that's not something that doesn't happen. That happens all the time. <laughs> the the Mormon and the Jew go head to head, and there's the non-denominational Christian just hanging out, <laughs> eating popcorn. Anyway, <laughs> uh, my point being that if you wanted to have that, then at some point she has to confront the reality that the doctor isn't an evil person, and she never does. In fact, as a as a narrative construct for the show, they deliberately put him in a position where, yeah, sure, I'll try this again. <laughs> on for no discernible reason other than science ego. Well, I think he was trying to redeem himself. You know, he felt like mom was a failure. He feels that even though Jessica was success, that emotionally, morally, she she was a failure. Um, I think he was looking. I think he was looking for redemption in operating on Trish. And again, the issue becomes. If you wanted him to be a villain, he should have just been a villain. Uh, again, I disagree. If you wanted him, if you wanted to use him as this as this you know living person to hold up a mirror to the fact that Jessica is irrational about this and overly emotional, then that's what you should do. Instead, we get this weird halfway in between thing where no, he's kind of sympathetic, but boy, he's going to do it again, and isn't he just a big dick for doing so? See, I thought he was fairly complex, and that's what I liked about him. I did too. I wish they'd done more with it. That's my again. That's my biggest gripe. Well, if you wanted I, to have this, I kind of wish he'd lived. And actually, and, and, and the last thing you see is like someone from Shield grabbing him, you know, or uh, you know, I have a special appearance by Ross or somebody, you know, grabbing him and taking him to, uh, to you know, taking him somewhere. Considering he was essentially making super soldiers. 
Yeah, again, there's a lot more that they could have done with that. I liked him, you know, no, I can't go to jail. They won't let me go to jail. The, you know, the, the government agencies in charge of this are going to, you know, kidnap me and force me to do more work for them, and I'm not and I am not confident in the ethical value of this. I've already stretched my ethics enough as it is, which is a valid point and a valid perspective for him to have. And then for Trish to show up and go, but you're a failure, okay, I'll do it again, undercuts all of that. If you want a, again, if you want a show without a centralized villain, you can have multi, you can have, you know, I mean, an antagonist is just someone who has points that run contrary to yours. Uh, the douchebag Chang is an antagonist for much of this. She and Trish wind up at odds at various points. It's not necessary, but they wind up with this weird half measure between centralized villain and utilizing your worldview and showing you how flawed it is for character growth that they never quite committed to in terms of executing the season. And that, yeah, it doesn't sit well with me because it leaves, it leaves us in not a very different position from where we started. There is mild growth from Jessica in the sense that she has now driven away everyone close to her and is now trying to bond with this, with her new landlord and his kid who never shuts up. Yeah, he never shuts up. <laughs> but it, again, there's a lot of missed opportunities throughout the totality of this season, and I think that's kind of what. In addition to the, you know, again, some of these structural errors, the fact that there was a lot of opportunity to do more, and the fact that a lot of people associated with the show showed they were capable of it in the first season. Like, if this were season one, I'm not sure we get much of a season two because season. Season one was really good in a lot of respects, and a lot of that strength seems to have been kind of left by the wayside for season two in favor of things I'm not sure. Right. I, I, again, I'm not sure why. I, I'm, my final thought is this, and, and it's going to inspire Winfrey to want to keep his conversation going for another hour in, you know, in, in, in argument, but... Um, I'll I, limit my response to 50 words or less. No, you won't. But... <laughs> Sure, but I will even count them. I will tell you that I think the the season's successful, and I think it's look. I'll, I'm not ashamed to admit there are things that are probably directed uh, intentionally more towards women that I I still find value in and enjoy watching, despite myself. Yeah, I like guy stuff too. Who you know? What, you know what? What what um, American man doesn't right? But there are things that uh, that are that are really for a female audience that I still find a lot of value in and find a lot of entertainment, and and that's where I think this show firmly lies. I think that with the all female directing cast um, and the issues that the that the season tackled uh, and the way it was tackled, there, there's an argument to be had, and you've heard a lot of it on the show tonight about maybe the. the the execution, but I think overall they were they were speaking to a female audience. They were speaking to an audience largely not comic book fans, and I think that they were trying to tell a story uh, about relationships and people that spoke to that audience. And I dug it, and I was tuned in, and I wanted to see more of it. Um, and it definitely wasn't a comic book show. And I think for all those reasons, those who are not necessarily tuned into those sort of things might be turned away from it. And I think you got a, and I think in the argument that the three of us had tonight, you got a taste of that. Um, Mark's an apologist is basically what we're getting at here. <laughs> That's good. Great. Thank you. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so I, I that's the last word I want to have on this. I don't want to bere- I don't want to um, beleaguer the point. Uh, so with that said, uh, let's go into plugs. Really, really short plugs because this has been a really long show tonight. So this is the end of our our four episode week this week. I'm you know rattling and broadcasting. I'm trying to keep to three, but we actually had a lot of extra content this week. We threw up a Screaming Boys show because Ronnie couldn't get his shit together and Jesse had to do it for him. So if you want to hear this this often talked about but couldn't but possible but before couldn't be heard episode where Jesse talks about someone shitting in an arcade, uh, that episode of Screaming hey, Boys. That is happened now all up. the time. <laughs> okay, I don't what. Um, so that episode's up. We've got Dude, our people who just didn't want to give up their spot, didn't want to give up their quarter to run to the bathroom. Yeah, that's not uncut. Like I was a big arcade person. Never shit my pa- shit my pants running a bunch of times. That's happened. But uh... <laughs> boy, have I shit my pants running. Ooh, have I got stories? But never shit my pants in the arcade. Um, so that's anywho. why you stopped running, huh? Speaking of running, I'd like to actually get out there before tomorrow. Um. So... So uh, our source material was Jessica Jones Uncaged, which is issues one through five or six of uh, the Marvel 2016 series, which I don't know if it's still ongoing. But uh, Tuesday was our Damn You Hollywood of a Wrinkle in Time. Uh, yesterday was our was our uh, a much applauded and appreciated review of the new Ministry album, <clears throat> uh, yeah. Amer- America Can't. Uh, next week uh, we have got now Robert won't be here unfortunately, but I got Jesse and. Um, Ronnie Adams to uh, on the backup. We've got Tomb Raider Volume One, which is going to be five minutes of show and and and, and, and an hour of gag reel. Um, season of the Witch. We've got a Damn You Hollywood uh, for Tomb Raider. Our Metal Hammer of Doom coverage of Judas Priest Firepower, and then finally uh, Sean and I will put Lara Croft Tomb Raider Cradle of Life uh, Two on trial. Look also for uh, some more Metal Hammer of Doom extras. We got a bunch of ministry videos that we put up. Um, hopefully, going to get some Judas Priest videos up there, and uh, our very first one of Planet Caravan that featured a space seed uh, ejaculating all over the universe. Ah, <laughs> uh, we've all come from almonds. <laughs> we all come from almonds. <laughs> all right, Robert Winfrey, do your plugs in fifty words or less. Go. Uh, Saturday. In the middle of the day, I will have live coverage of UFC Fight Night 127 in the MMA Zone of 411mania.com. It's a card. It's not a good card. It's it's really not. I'm sad. <laughs> I'm sad about this card. Uh, Sunday on the 411 Ground and Pound radio show, we will review that card. And uh, that's it for me that week, actually. Again, I will be on vacation for... Uh, the movie review and I will be back Saturday and yeah just nope I got again that's my big thing is the Sunday show then I get to not have to review Tomb Raider which I'm not sure I feel about I mean it's probably for the best this year sucks (laughs) but uh, I already watched uh, like everything we the last two we've reviewed like it couldn't have been worse (laughs) I'll say this about Tomb Raider. It will not be worse than Death Wish or Wrinkle in Time, which were abjectly awful. Films. Sounds promising. Uh, real quick, there's going to be a Screaming Boy show in, in the very near future dealing with the uh, closing of Toys R Us. The rise and, Screaming Boy, the rise and fall of Toys R Us. We're all going to get together uh, and talk about it. 
talk about what Toys R Us meant to us, what it means that it's closing, et cetera, et cetera. So look for that in the very near future. Okay. All right. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, go give the Rattelich in Broadcasting Network Facebook page a like to stay up on top of all the great podcasts that we have to offer. Uh, many, many a variety Feel free out to there. throw insults at us. Oh, yes. Please. Already, been, I mean, they've already started. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> we are on Spreaker, and it is, wow, what a change. Things are, <laughs> things are, people are actually interacting with us, and not in the greatest uh, way. We, we don't have a whole lot of appreciation being showered upon us. So if you feel to buck that trend and uh, want to just kind of say, hey, we enjoyed I mean, the show. Where are you seeing this? I have not seen any of this feedback. It's on my <laughs> YouTube page. Yeah. Our, our, uh, our Spreaker episodes go to YouTube as well. And uh, we had a recent Metal Hammer of Doom. Our, our discussion on Ministries album uh, was uh, rather... It wasn't... It, Let's just say people didn't like our reaction. To okay, it. two guys uh, commented and were not and were not happy that we had bad things to say about ministry. Don't don't. No, you upset the sycophants. Good job. <laughs> so anyway, yes, we're on Spreaker.com. Uh, you can find us on just about any podcast platform out there: iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Uh, I'm sure you just type in R A D U L I C H Rattlech in the search box. You're going to be able to find the network rate subscribe do all that fun stuff uh and that's it i'm i'm ready to go to bed it was fun discussing this uh season with you guys i i appreciate you bringing me on tv party tonight to talk jessica jones season two all right with that said for robert winfrey of the 401 ground upon radio and damn you hollywood for the disapproving dad and the host of source material in his own right mr jesse starcher I am your mandated reporter, Mr. Mark Radlich, and this has been TV Party Tonight on the Radlich and Broadcasting Network on Spreaker.com. Be well, be safe, and be woke. And what a tea, Mike. Metro PCS and the iPhone SE for $0 on a network that covers 99% of people in the U.S. Oh, impressive. Play with the best. Switch to Metro PCS on an unlimited LTE plan and get a 32-gig iPhone SE for $0. Metro PCS. Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax. Claim based on talk and text. Not valid for active numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on Metro PCS in the past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions.